Well, if you remember, uh, at this time about last year, at the end of the greatest outdoor show on Earth, Chris and I had a very interesting conversation about the Calgary Stampede. And as we sit here, as we broadcast with you on the, I believe it's the 8th of July, we are officially again this year in that wonderful little piece of crap known as the Calgary Stampede. Hello, folks, and welcome to this 363rd episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you. A lot of things, obviously, to talk about, but I always want to do this at least one time when Chris and I get together as bitch about how much we hate the Calgary Stampede. Um, as mentioned, and I, you know, for the life of me, I can't remember. It was about when John Sin won the poker tournament last year. That was the episode. That was the episode where I just went nuts and we started talking about Delta House and the crappy mayor in the city of Calgary. And we could revisit all that because it's still true 365 days from the last time we bitched about the greatest outdoor show on earth. But I was listening to Sin Air, and I believe that was the, the that was what Chris titled the episode. Sin City. Sin City. There we go. Thank you. Um, not spelled S-I-N. It was the guy that the the uh, the poker player's name was yeah. John Sin. I remember C-Y-N-N. that. C Y N N. Perfect. C Y N N. Sin City. Um, I was listening to Sin City the other day because it's one of my favorite episodes, especially around this crappy time of the year in Calgary. And I forgot to tell you folks about something. This is incredulous to me. Okay. Now, 25 years ago, was I a choir boy? Of course not. Why didn't, why did I wait till I was damn near 30 before I got married? Because I was trying to be, you know, I was having too damn much fun. That's why I'm fi- almost 55 years old and I have a 14-year-old thir- at home. But um, I forgot to remember, I forgot to mention this last year in that Sin City episode, was that there is a thing here in Calgary for these 10 days of stampede that they will take your wedding ring and they will put it in a safe or in a, in a safe position, basically lock it down so you can go out and whore it up all around this intermediate city in western canada and uh i just forgot to tell you that i think there'd be a lot of people that would be feeling the same way that i am about putting your wedding band in under lockdown for 10 days and then at the end whenever you leave you show them your little your little ticket stub and you reclaim your wedding band after you've probably claimed a couple other things that the doctor will have to visit you about and get a shot in your backside when you leave. But that is, again, one of the preposterous things about the greatest outdoor show on earth. And notice, as I ramble on about this, I haven't mentioned one damn thing about the athletes that are actually participating in the greatest outdoor show on earth. All I'm talking about is the idiots and the drunks and the morons and the adulterers and the alcoholics and the pill poppers. And it's you know what? It's even got to be funner this year because weed is now legal in the country of Canada. So now you don't have to go behind the cop shed. Now you can go in front of the cop shed and light up at the greatest outdoor show on earth. As I bring in the executive producer of unscripted, Mr. Fluke, who's had another busy week, but he found time to get together with me and we'll talk a little, whatever we're going to talk about. But 
I always get interested when I give Chris the open floor to talk about one of his favorite topics. <laughs> and I'm being very facetious when I say that. The greatest outdoor show on earth, the Calgary Stampede. Well, I bet that chick who uh, was caught on camera bending over for the guy. <laughs> what a surprise that her celebrity hasn't endured over the last three years. <laughs> what a shame. The saddest thing is I remember her name, and, I, and I'm not going to... I don't... I can't. I'm Mm-mm. not going to say it. I can't believe... Cause her name's weird, so I didn't remember right. it. But did you know... I don't know if you ever saw that video or heard about it. I've heard about it. I've never seen it. Yeah. The, great technique by the guy. It looked like a chipmunk. It was like really... <laughs> it's just really like like the fastest jackhammer. There's, an, there's about a one-inch range of motion in here. And uh, anyway, that girl, she apparently had a little tour after this. She went around to strip clubs and but she's you know no formal training of course of and, course not and i will guarantee you i don't know this firsthand but i guarantee you stripping and using the pole is harder than it looks damn right it i is. will bet you oh, anything yeah. i'll bet you anything on that and so i'm sure the show was terrible and it's funny because we were at work the, the place i worked three years ago and we were sitting around and people were showing the video and then they showed this one youtube video of her like she started a youtube channel and she sits there and her first episode was basically Hey guys, because by the way, like girls, if they ever start a video by themselves, it's always the first two words have to be, hey guys. And the third word's usually um, because that's yeah. as far as they got, right? And so then <laughs> I need to, it's true. Well, we're not in the PhD pl- <laughs> you know, class members yeah. of the Calgary standpoint. Yeah, anyway, so she thought she was going to go on to fame and fortune because she uh, she took it at the stampede. But anyway, uh, just just in case you think you had the worst corn dog at the stampede. <laughs> The answer is no. Oh, my God. No, I have heard about that infamous video. I just haven't ha- had the uh, the time or the want to go look at it. I, I know what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yes, for the next, we are today, as we're speaking to you again on July the 8th, this is day four of the greatest outs- outdoor show <laughs> on earth. And it's been raining like a banshee around here. I actually played golf in a corporate tournament on Friday. And I know with these corporate tournaments, um, it, it, you pay and you play. And it doesn't matter if it's rain, sleet, snow, whatever. The tournament is not going to get canceled. But there's been so much rain here in Calgary. I would imagine that it's been close to when we had the horrific floods of 2013. I bet we're encroaching. Obviously, we haven't surpassed it yet because the roads are still intact around here in Nenshiville. But... We have had a considerable amount of rain in the month of June, and I have never been on a golf course that was so wet in my life. I actually, on one hole, when I'm hitting it right, I hit a very high ball, and I hit a nine iron in from about 141 yards. That's my nine iron club. I took a nine iron, he got it way up in the air, came down, and it actually submerged into the green itself, about that far from the pin. Oh, it's the like ball a, went into the ground. It's like that famous Monday Night Football game where Cleveland against Pittsburgh a few years ago. Remember, and then it ended up three nothing when Pittsburgh kicked a field goal with a few seconds left, and it was so muddy that they punted it and it just stuck in the ground. Like oh that. yeah, 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 yeah. You remember, if you remember no, that? This this ball, I was hitting a. I, I like hitting Titleists, and this was a black on black Pro V one, and it went right into the. It submerged into the ground. You couldn't see the ball. Oh, that far. We had to mm-hmm. dig on in the green. To get the ball out. Well, that's embarrassing. Well, no, it's not. It's a great shot. I, I no, would not imagine. for you. <laughs> no, I, but I'm just saying. I bet the uh, 
I bet management and the groundskeepers weren't too happy about it. But again, in that situation, if it was my course or I had some affiliation with it, I would have rescheduled because that doesn't do anybody any good in those kind of conditions. No, no. it did not rain any farther, but there was so much standing water on a golf course. And thankfully, they allowed us power carts, but there was none of this. It was all just cart path only. The cart path looks, or excuse me, the carts at the end of the round looked like they had been in that motocross stuff, you know, where they're oh, jumping yeah. around and dirt everywhere. It was just filthy. Actually, both those stories remind uh, me of uh, two of our nearest and dearest friends of the show here. So uh, congratulations to our buddy Ryan Hall, who recently got his motocross racing right. thing. Speaking of that, that just reminds me of that. Whatever it is, a ticket or something. Now he's a professional motocross guy or something. I forget. But anyway, congratulations on that. And uh, on the other side of the coin, our poor buddy Greg uh yorkton was rained out this weekend so greg had organized a ball a baseball tournament and it got rained out so so sorry for that greg but uh we're thinking of both you guys there but anyway also speaking of the cart pass so i understand that you and i have had fun using a golf cart lately but there's sometimes when we go out we enjoy it but there's somebody who shouldn't be using a golf cart did you want to talk about that oh, piece of shit right yeah, now? I you might as well. I, I was going to plan, but well, I, I'm flexible, if nothing else. Um, if you remember back at the U.S. Open, it's been about a month now. The U.S. Open uh, played it at Pebble Beach, if you remember. John Daly made news there by he petitioned the USGA to allow his fat ass to use a cart. Uh, now, he has to disengage from the cart as he gets close to the green he can't drive the cart up to the green but he can use it from the tee box to where basically his his approach shot let's say to the green is and chris had made mention on that episode around u.s open time that you could see his mcdonald's wrappers and his smokes and whatever else he was doing but uh, john daly has approached the royal and ancient that's the rna that's the governing body of European golf and the European tour and the RNA has told him no fucking way are you going to be allowed to use a cart at the upcoming British Open which starts July 18th at a new venue for the first time since I believe the 70s but I'm not sure about, about that they have been away from Royal Port Rush in Northern Ireland for a while they have used that venue before I'm just not quite specific as to when it was but it has been decades since they've been at this venue but supposedly fat boy petitioned the rna to allow him to use a golf cart during the playing of this year's british open and the rna has told him waddle your fat ass out and walk and that's what he's going to have to do he is going to play because remember john daly is the 1995 british open champion from st andrews so he has a lifetime exemption until about 65 i believe so he can play, regardless of how bad his number is in the world rankings, because as a former champion, he can come back and play the the uh, British Open. He's going to do it starting July 18th, but his day will be a short. His stay will be short, two days, the 18th and the 19th, because his fat ass will have will not make the cut at Royal Portrush. There's no way. I'm kind of surprised they don't have the British Open at St Andrews every time. To be honest with you. Well. A lot of people would like that. Guys like me would certainly like that. But again, it's tradition, and you've heard me say the rotund before, and it's not rotunda. They, it's a specific 
European golf thing. It's the rotund, and that means there are a bunch of different venues, and it gets rotated around between Carnoustie and St. Andrews and and uh, what's the one uh, Jack Nicklaus that's that he named his uh, golf course in Ohio over. There's four or five different courses, and they're adding one to the rotund this year with the playing of it at at Royal Portrush in Northern Ireland. And realistically, my opinion, I think this is done for Rory McIlroy. Oh. Rory is from this neck of the woods. Yeah, he's from Northern Ireland. And I believe they're thinking long-term here in regard to his probably long and and obviously very decorated uh, professional golfing career. Let's get it back in Rory's backyard because realistically, folks, is there a better... European tour golfer right now out there than Rory Mark meant Rory McElroy. Some would say, especially Italians, Francesco Molinari right now, because he won the British Open last year and he's been very competitive this year. But overall, folks, if you've got to pick one guy on the European side of things, I bet most people would take Rory McElroy. Right now, yeah, definitely. But about John Daly there, first of all, I can't believe he won at St Andrews. That's oh well, ever yeah. honestly, well, nineteen ninety five still, so. but that's that's crazy. I can't. I still don't picture him as a golfer though. Like if you told me, if you look at him and said he's a professional athlete, you you got to think either bowling or darts, right? <laughs> well, you yeah. do. Oh, yeah. honestly, yeah. you do. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, for like, sure. Like he's not even the fattest guy on the dart circuit. I mean, Jesus. No. But no, for golfing. And the thing is, if you remember, everyone. Well, I think anyone ever saw this will never forget it when he was recovering from alcoholism and he's out there on the course and it's a hot day and he's shivering yes you know so even though that's bad at least there you could kind of get behind the guy like someone who's willing to go through that in front of the whole world and struggle through it you could make a case that okay hey i can respect this guy for powering through like this and struggling and suffering in front of the whole world i get that but in this case you just can't defend the guy at all i mean the entitlement to have a cart, not he wasn't born with one leg. He was no. like there's, he wasn't. You know, he didn't. He's just get, a lazy slob. He's just a lazy slob. It's unbelievable. I don't know anyone like this, and the fact that anyone would expect this or even not have any what's the, even the word pride? I guess. Thank to, you. Right. Yeah. Like to just do this and then and just yeah to go around with the smokes and the I don't know. It's it's uh, just a different mindset, and I guess he was. Probably always like this as well, a person, but, but I you know, know, I I just have a, and and I'm just echoing Chris's statements here in regard to it's a black eye on the golfing community when a former champion, who regardless of his his physical stature now, realistically, I mean, he's not he's younger than I am. Really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, he's younger than I am, and uh, I like to walk on a golf course. If I was good enough to play at the British Open, I think I'd walk. For crying out loud, I mean, Gary Player is eighty years old, and he still makes a traditional start every year at the Masters. And Gary play and Gary Player, even when the few times he did play on the Champions Tour, whatever they're calling it now, but. The PGA champions, I guess, is what they're calling it now. But Gary Player always walked. He was still competitive, playing competitive golf into his mid seventies. Look at Bernhard Langer on the Canadian, excuse me, on the Champions Tour. He's sixty-one, and has still maintained unbelievable 
competitive uh, playing uh, stature or status is, if you will, and on the, on the, uh, champions tour. And he just looks, he looks, you know what? Bernhard Langer looks better now than he did when he was a young buck. When we first were introduced to him back in the seventies as a young German, when he made his first attempt at winning the Claret jug at the British open, that's when I was first introduced to Bernhard Langer. And I think he looks better now at 61 than he did back then, back in the seventies. So if John Daly is still under the premise of being a professional athlete, then maybe instead of smoking your life away and drinking your life away, and I don't mean, you know, maybe he has quit drinking, I don't know, but get yourself in some semblance of shape is what I'm saying, and be respective to the job that you still have and stop this, these, you know, uh, petitions to the different golf organizations so you can take a cart. I mean, wouldn't, I, you know, I would think as a competitive athlete, wouldn't you be a little embarrassed if you're the only guy that tees it up at the British Open that waddles over to a cart when everybody else after the first tee gets in and starts walking? I'd be very embarrassed by that. I think the British Open should be embarrassed by that. And I really think the USGA and the people at Pebble Beach should be embarrassed that John Daly was allowed on their golf course with a golf uh with a golf cart. That's ridiculous. Yeah, well, why would you make an exception for the guy? Because I think the British Open has it right. Not only should you not make an exception anyway, but I think they actively do not want him there because he's a black guy in the sport. And I think that if there's one thing that hoity-toity British people can't stand, it's the stereotypical American. I'm not saying that's Oh, a, I get you. you know, I I'm get not you. Hey, listen, offensive right I don't. Don't ever apologize because in the world scheme of things... We're not really looked upon very favorably, Americans. I tell my kids who are dual citizens and have passports for both countries, always travel under the Canadian one because the Canadian one is more rec- favorably recognized yeah. in the international community than the U.S. one is, for damn sure. Yeah, and it's not fair to look at a whole country as a you know a 350 million John Daly's because that's certainly not the Correct. case. But that type of American, the John Daly type, I, there's just nothing that incenses a British hoity-toity person than that type of character. And I think this is a good example of that. And it, it'll always set them off every single time. It's why they react, I think, even more strongly to Trump than other places that maybe don't like him. It's just something about the bombastic American. They just, and maybe it just goes back to, maybe it's in our blood. Maybe it goes back to the whole way that, you know, it was all colonized over here and the war and everything. And it, there's just something about it that just uh, is just, they can't stand it. But they're absolutely right. They shouldn't want him there because John Daly, even if you don't mind him, he is just, when it comes down to it, he is not a draw on a traditional, in a traditional golf tournament. The only way that John Daly would be a draw anywhere would be in a long drive competition. That's the only way. If you have a long drive competition, I can see you wanting John Daly there, but then he doesn't need a cart because he's just standing there hitting the balls. But if it's an actual tournament, he's not a draw because I mean, he, I don't know if he still has the record, but you know, when he set the world record for like, uh, longest drive because he hit it on the on the uh, airport runway, right. hit it 900, right. 900 yards or whatever. Right. whatever yeah. yeah, so there he's a draw, but in a traditional sense, he's not. But clearly, in my opinion, John Daly is trying to kill himself. John Daly has a death wish. Why I have, we're on kind of on the topic of sports, that John Daly would be a marquee item for him to attend. I can think of one. 
He'd have trouble beating Joey Chestnut. I knew you were at the hot dog eating contest. And congratulations to Joey Chestnut for putting down 71 hot dogs on the U.S. Fourth of July last Thursday. Congratulations in New York City. Put 71 hot dogs down in 12 minutes. Correct. Yeah. Is it? Is it? They didn't reduce it to 10, did they? Actually, I thought it was 12 minutes. It always was. I'm not was. for sure. I'm not for it sure. Was, it doesn't but... matter. All I'm telling is I want to send congratulations to Joey Chestnut on his 71 finished, completed, eaten hot dogs. And uh, there is one thing where John Daly might be able to compete. And they'd let him <laughs> They'd let him drive up in a golf cart, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. But uh, Joey Chestnut, 71 hot dogs. Congratulations. Um, we've got a ton of things to talk about, surprisingly on this 363rd episode of Unscripted. Obviously, a lot of comings and goings in the world of the National Basketball Association, easy for me to say, and the National Hockey League. We'll get to both of those. You know, if you've listened to any of the previously produced 362 episodes of Unscripted, I am not a soccer fan. I don't care if it's the guys. I don't care if it's the girls. I don't care if it's a... It's a it's a bunch of dogs. I really don't care. I'm not a soccer fan. But when you do something like the United States women's national soccer team just did, and they brought home the Women's World Cup, you got to acknowledge them. The only girl that I know on the team is a girl by the name of Alex Morgan. I don't know about the rest of them. I saw a girl out there in the ad campaign that had purple hair. She seemed to kind of be the spokesman. Congratulations to her. But Congratulations to the whole U.S. women's national soccer team who, uh, after winning the Women's World Cup with a 2 to nothing win over the Netherlands on Sunday, that'll be the last time I mentioned it. But that is an accomplishment, and we have to acknowledge it. Um, but I do want to, and this is not a shot at you. It is not a shot at Greg or any of your friends from Saskatchewan. But I do have to take up, while I have you here, I do need to take up mention of something. What the hell is wrong with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders? You know, since I've known you, I've kind of gone over to the green side. I hate the red side. And this weekend in beautiful new Mosaic Stadium in Regina, Saskatchewan, the Calgary Stampeders go into Regina with a backup quarterback who hasn't started a game since 2015 when he was a collegiate quarterback at Georgia State University. This kid's name is Nick Arbuckle, and uh, he leads the Calgary Stampeders to a 37-10, I have to say it, ass-whooping of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and I'm incredulous to this because I thought, yes, I know, Saskatchewan is also uh, with their backup quarterback. Uh, Zach Kolaris is still not, I don't know if he's played this year, but he would technically be the starter for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. But I thought the battle of the backups in the beautiful new Mosaic Stadium in downtown Regina, that that would give the homestanding Rough Riders the, the edge they needed to improve their record in the Canadian Football League. And they laid an egg. And you know, it's funny, you look up and down the, the Rough Riders roster, Charlton Hughes, they've got some other big rush end that was here last year, some guy named Mika Johnson, I believe his name is. There's some ex-Stampeders around here that Huffnagel, the general manager of the Stampeders, didn't want to pay anymore. But um, the new 
coach of the Rough Riders, who happens to be the older brother of current Stampeder head coach Dickinson, Craig Dickinson, the new coach in Saskatchewan, has got to get this ship righted pretty soon because I know that Calgary has been in the world, excuse me, in the Grey Cup three years in a row, should have won it all three years in a row, but they are the defending Grey Cup champions. But their team has been decimated by free agency and guys going down to the National Football League, like our best player on defense last year, Singleton. I can't remember. I think it's Alex Singleton. But he's now playing in the, well, he's trying to make the Philadelphia Eagles starting here at the end of the month. Um, So we've been decimated by free agency and NFL defections. And yet, as as much as it pains me to watch Saturday night, Something happened to the Rough Riders, and Craig Dickinson better get him on the right path pretty soon because uh, they should never lose at home by 27 points to a backup quarterback making his first start in four years. Yeah, geez. Uh, Dave Dickinson? Dave Dickinson is yeah. the coach here. His brother's Craig. Oh, is yeah, coach, I always get them mixed is up. He's the new coach, and he's the older brother. Oh, is he the Craig's older one? the older Yeah, brother. I get them mixed up. Yeah, yeah, okay. Anyway, yeah, the Riders just seem to be in a transitional phase right now in terms of identity because anytime they've been good before, they've always had a star quarterback. There's literally never been a good Saskatchewan Rough Riders team that uh, you know that was lacking that star quarterback. We have won an embarrassingly small amount of Grey Cups. I mean, all we won you know, in such a small league, you'd think you'd get a couple wins every decade. But yeah. the, until like the only two Grey Cups we had in the 20th century were 1966, where we had Ron Lancaster. Right, Big quite st- arguably the greatest CFL quarterback ever. Yeah, just in a you know his 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 the, when he threw the ball it looked worse than Peyton Manning, like it was sure. just a dead quail. Right, but he got it there. And then in 1989, Kent Austin yep. was was the uh, Grey Cup champion there. That was a hell of a team. I mean, I'll never forget that team: Bobby Jurison and Ray Elgard and Don Arcees and Tim McRae. And then, of course. The greatest kicker in CFL history, and I know you Lou Pasaglia fans are going to argue with this, Dave Ridgway, robo-kicker, how that guy never was in the NFL is beyond me, because I think there are teams in the NFL that right now could use Dave Ridgway at his age right now. I think he'd still be better than Chris Blewett. Yeah, Minnesota would give him a call. Yeah, seriously, so... Uh, yeah, he was unbelievable. That was an unbelievable team. And of course, then the Riders won a couple since then, like with 07 and everything. Right. But, uh, you know, we need to have a Kerry Joseph. We need to have like a, yes. you know, a star like that. And the Riders have just literally never, ever been good without a really good quarterback. And so we don't really have a star quarterback right now. We don't have the uh, Royal Canadian Air Force. We don't have any of these exciting things. We don't really have a Bobby Jurison on defense. We don't have a uh, Don Narcisse, you know, who's got the personality. We don't have the big Ray Elgard rumbling. We don't have any sort you of identity have, uh, players. You don't have a George Reed at running back. Yeah. Your yeah. running game was pathetic on Saturday night. Yeah, we don't, we just, I'm not sure what they're doing. I don't know if they're, going for a certain identity. I don't know really what's going on, but even before the season started, and even without really looking into it closely, the Riders just felt like they were going to be having a transitional year or we're in some sort of transitional era where we're sorting things out, trying to figure out what we are and what we're doing. And it is disappointing, especially since, like you said, they have the amazing new stadium that have not gotten the chance to check out firsthand or anything yet. But 
Uh, yeah, it is kind of a shame. Here's, here was the second surprise from Saturday night uh, from Mosaic Stadium, besides the final outcome of the game. This is the first time, and again, it, you know I've been here 20, it'll be 23 years I've been in this great country uh, in the first week of October, and for the first time, whether it's the old Mosaic or the new Mosaic, this is the first time that I saw a lot of empty seats in Regina. I couldn't yeah. understand that. Oh, I can. It's. I mean, but see, that team's like the Packers. They travel well. They support their team. I think they've got the best. And this is one of the things that drew me to Saskatchewan at the beginning was that they not only travel well, but they're, to my recollection, at the old Taylor Field, and now at the new Mosaic, there was never an empty seat. And to see empty seats, that surprised me a little bit. It didn't surprise me. First of all, as I've said before, we don't travel well. We just live there already. Well, you know what I meant, though. I mean, you know, there have been times, and you can second this. Yeah. There have been times when Calgary and Saskatchewan play at that toilet on uh, on uh, Crowchild, uh, Crowchild Trail, and there are more green fans oh, sure. than there are red fans. Well, I've often said, and lots of people have said, Calgary is the capital of Saskatchewan. So, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, true. it really is. So it's like a third of the people here. But... It, I, it's, it doesn't surprise me, and I'm, it doesn't make me think that Ryder fans are bad fans, because they're certainly not. But it's it, it, if the team doesn't look like they're putting in the effort, then why should we put in the effort to go? I, and I think that's what it is. And and there's a beautiful stadium, and it's huge. It's made for a large capacity. Absolutely. I mean, Regina's not the big... Regina is smaller than, I believe, any single quadrant of Calgary. Really? Yeah. Like it's not like there's many people there. You know, I think I think the entire population of Regina, which includes surrounding it, which includes well, I mean, it's not a megalopolis where there's all right. these well, even Calgary and Edmonton aren't that, but uh it's I think it's population is about two hundred thousand or really? something. Really? Yeah, it's not so Saskatoon a, is bigger than Regina. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, Regina's the capital. Sask- right. that's, or it might be, it's either like 250 to 200 for Saskatoon or 300 to 200. But I mean, each either one of them is a quarter of the size of, or actually less than a quarter of Calgary. So it's not like there's a lot of people there. They intentionally made it big because when the riders are good at all, yeah. And it is a, a full province thing. So really, there's lots of people that go down there for every game from Saskatoon or from pretty much anywhere in the right. province. So it's not like it's just Regina. It really is the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Nobody thinks of that as a Regina team. Nobody. Oh, I, I get that. Right? But, I, I mean, it's intentionally, I think, made to be really, really big for such a small market team. And uh, if, if you're not going to put in the effort, then I just I think a lot of people have to drive pretty far to get there. And I just don't see it happening. And I don't blame fans at all because I just I don't get that the team is, is trying anything specific like at least lay out what the vision is at least if you have something like you have some sort of maniac on defense or you have some personality or you have the star quarterback or you have something and this team like here's a word that you use all the time right now the Saskatchewan right now the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are nondescript they really yeah. are. There's just I, there's just nothing that jumps off the page about them right now and so I don't blame People also, as you say, showing up as empty seats, disguised as empty seats, and it's too bad. But I, I don't blame the fans at all. Management needs to get it together and really make more of a star-laden team. And I also, before we forget, you started off this segment by talking about the U.S. Women's National Team, and I did want to say something about that. Uh, and I th- and this is probably the Don Cherry in me here, but Don Cherry always says, I mean, when you're up by a bunch, you don't 
You, you know, you show some class. You don't try as hard. You don't have your best players out there. You don't celebrate like you just won everything when you're up 10 to nothing. And this is what this team just didn't get. Everyone criticized them because they were their ridiculous celebrations or they're laying it on, trying their hardest when they're already up 12 nothing and they're making it 13 nothing against some poor team. Yeah. They just, they really didn't have any class. And and then they get all indignant when everyone's criticizing them. And, you know, like, I'm happy the American women won. I'm glad that a country that has, you know, so much equality relative to most of the world when it comes to, you know, female rights uh, and, and equality, female equality, I just, you know, it's great to see a modern country win that. It's not that. I wish that I was more happy for them, but they really didn't represent themselves well at all. I mean, they were a bunch of John Daly's out there to a degree. And it was it was embarrassing. And the fact that they didn't say that, you know what, yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, I, it was really sad. And it's just something that you always see in hockey. I remember there was a guy, I'm trying to think, was it like Luke Richards? Or, or somebody who hardly ever gets a goal. So this guy, he's in a playing in game in the NHL, and this is many years ago. And I remember he scored a goal, and he the guy never gets any goals. But his goal made the game like, it was like late in the game, and it puts them up 5-1 or 6-1 or something. It's not, like, there's no doubt yeah. who's winning the game. So he puts it in, and instead of celebrating all crazy, he skates over to the corner, and he just kind of, like, looks at his buddies, doesn't even, and he just kind of, like, the lightest little fist pump, and just kind of looks at them, and like, all right, and they, they don't even hug, they just kind of you know, tap each other, like, great job, and skate off, and, and that's something that's important, to show that kind of respect, okay, we got it, you know, don't have your number one power play unit out there, don't have all your stars on the ice, or on the field, or whatever sport you're playing, you, when, when the game is completely out of reach, you, you, you don't lay it on, you don't uh, insult the other team, I guess these girls thought they were having fun, but they were having fun, and showing no class, and uh, they they made their bed and they have to lie in it. So congratulations on winning the title. But it's going to be really tough for anyone outside the U.S. to be happy for you. You know, it's going to be really tough for the U.S. women moving forward will be. Uh, I saw a highlight package last night and um, the what they were screaming. And I think this was in Paris, right? I think so. Yeah. Um, what they were screaming was as they were about to be crowned champions in the stadium, which probably was filled up with a lot of Americans, but they were talking about equal pay. Good luck. That will be a tough nut to get. Well, hey, look, this is not, this is, they they can't act like it's like, oh, you're women, so we're going to make sure you get paid less. I mean, if the women, if the women brought in more money, I would want them to make more money than the men. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. I don't think there's anyone who disagrees with it. I don't... Like, is there any... Is there honestly a single guy out there who's sitting there saying that if the women brought in more money that they should get not get more money? Like, seriously, like, no guy's saying that. We... No. I And I don't care about soccer anyway, so I'd be thrilled if the women were, you know, better and more exciting and made more money. Yeah, they should get more than the men if they're bringing in more money. They should get paid the same as the men if they're making... If they're bringing in the same money. I, I don't have the financials of soccer in front of me. No, I don't. I so don't. so I'm assuming that the women bring in less. And I'm sure, I mean, the World Cup is such a massive thing on the men's side that I'm sure this was nowhere near it. I would guess if I'm wrong, then correct me and then make sure it's paid accordingly. But it's the same thing as the WNBA. Like, and it, and it really, to a degree, it's the same thing as young people in anything. They don't understand economics. They don't understand money has to come from somewhere. It's like, oh, NBA players, the men, 
are making incredible amounts of money. Well, we should make that too. Well, it's not like there's this magical you know, fountain of money that we're just, you know, we just, okay, well, if you deserve it, you get this. That's not how it works. Are you bringing in money or not? It, it's, it's, just, it's just a complete fundamental lack of understanding of economics. And it's yes. a real failure of the school systems, for one thing. And it's just, it's something that, you know, kids when they're young are often socialist because they don't know better. They just, they haven't seen the atrocities that leads to and they don't understand. It just literally doesn't work for a bunch of reasons. But it's, it's just a shame. And uh, yeah, if you're not bringing in the same money, you can't expect the same to, you can't expect to make the same money because where the fuck is it coming from? We've got a run on this 363rd episode of Unscripted. We thank you for joining us and hope that you continue to do so. We've got the NBA free agency to look at. We've got to look at some of the offseason moves in the National Hockey League. We've got, does anybody care that the uh, Major League Baseball All-Star Game is Tuesday night from Cleveland? No, not really. Holy shit, clear your calendar. Yeah, exactly. Huh. And they didn't invite us. Um, wonder why. Um, we've got a bunch of things and we'll get to all that when we uh, continue with the shows for the rest of the week. And uh, again, thank you very much uh, for joining us and hope that you continue to do so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.